machine. Yes, we're rolling this time. Didn't forget. <laughs> Great. Are our phones on do not disturb mode? Welcome back to another episode of Tuxedo Time, where we were Tuxedo's End of This Time podcast, podcast edition, edition, after show, home renovation series edition, episode three. three. <laughs> How do you hold up three fingers? I don't know. I almost said two, but it was three. <laughs> Oh boy, we have a lot to talk about in this episode. If you are brand new to this podcast, this is a podcast where we talk about all sorts of things. We have uncandid, we have unfiltered candid discussions about life, video production, and being a creator. The after show edition is where we deep dive on a large project that we're doing on our main YouTube channel, Becky and Chris. Which right now is a home renovation series that we have released the first three episodes for. If you haven't watched it, you can go and check it out on our YouTube channel, Becky and Chris. And this will make a lot more sense after having watched it. It will. And if you are listening and you're not really sure where to find all these things, Becky and Chris. You literally just said you put I your phone on do not disturb mode. Film the after show. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, phone. For phones that, phones that are supposed to be smart and going to take over AI-wise, yeah, they're I pretty do. stupid. Okay, uh, what were we saying? Oh, yeah, uh, everything will be linked in on our website, beckyandchris.com slash podcast, episode 36. Links, pictures, videos, etc. Everything we talk about in today's episode will be linked there. All right, so episode three. Give us a Coles notes of what the episode was about. If anybody has not watched the episode, we have already moved into our house, which we covered in episode one. We have already renovated the guest room, which you covered in episode two. Episode three is us renovating the living room, our Correct. main living area. And to give context, this is a massive space. It's a 20 by, it's roughly 20 by 30 feet with big sort of vaulted ceilings uh, and a lot of wood. Yes. And so it was, the challenge was A, how do you lay out a room that's 20 by 30 feet? And have it function as a living room and a dining room. Right. And B, what do we do with all of this wood? So those are the two main dilemmas, the two main, two main dilemmas. And there was another conflict, which we'll talk about shortly, but I do want to talk about the stone and the wood because that was one of the reasons why we almost passed this house over when we were looking for it on the listings. We were yes. looking for houses. We saw this house. We were like, whoa, that's a lot of stone and a lot of wood. And we decided not to look at it. And then months went by and then we thought, you know what, maybe we should go check that house out and ended up purchasing it. Well, it was multiple factors. There was. Yeah. It was the stone and the wood. Plus, it was a little bit on the Pricey. higher end of the budget mm-hmm. out of all the other ones we were looking at. And then there was like barely enough room for me to land. Do you hear crackling or is that mouth noises? It's probably mouth noises. Yeah, I think it's mouth noises. <laughs> okay. How much is it annoying you? It's not. It just sounds like popping. Well, you know what? <laughs> Give me some of that water. Did you not have any a drink with your dinner? An apple soda. Yeah, the sugar makes your mouth funny. Is that a fact? Facts. I have a cold sore in my nose. Oh, we can do this in four to seven minutes. Don't drink it all. We need that while I get pasty later. Okay, so we almost passed the house up when we saw all the wood and the stone on the listing. Yes. We decided to come look at said house, fell in love with it. It just had the feeling that we were looking for. And sometimes when you walk into a space, you're just like, this is the one. Mm-hmm. And it was the one. It was. So. Yeah. We ended up pulling the trigger. We did. Our offer was accepted. And here we are today. Here we are. Yeah. So when we were renovating this room, basically the stone and the wood were still big issues. I they guess. were. Not big issues, but the amount of stone and the amount of wood yeah. were a little bit more for us. 
Right. It, I think in the video you said it's like seasoning food. Yes. Season to taste. It's like smoking meat. <laughs> a some little people, bit of smoke is good. Some people love a lot of smoke. I love a lot of smoke. You don't like a lot of smoke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So when it came to this room in particular, you said it was 20 by 30. This is our main living area. This is the only room in the house that we can really watch movies, relax, hang out. It's like the main core of the house and it's open concept. So we have living area where the TV is plus the dining room in there too. And then we have a little seating area. So we had to kind of figure out how we were going to take this giant square and break it up into multiple uses and have this function as a media room without it looking like a media room. Because <laughs> I w- we'll get into that in a few minutes, which is, is the, is the dilemma. But so what we ended up doing is we took away a lot of the wood. This is we'll put up a couple of pictures. If you're watching this on YouTube and you know, you haven't uh, seen the videos or you have for reference. So we started off with a lot of wood, a lot of heavy cabinetry, this like corner cabinet that was made for one of those cathode ray tube TVs. And we just kind of got rid of that, covered up a little bit of a stone with a drywalled wall, a media wall, where our TV was going to hang, rebuilt some of the cabinets, painted all that out white, kept it nice and fresh and bright. And between that and having our floor refinished, which ended up being a lighter color, that kind of took care of a lot of the issues we had with the wood. There were a lot of amber tones that got sort of... yeah attenuated we'll say yeah and i think after two when we added that huge gray couch and the dark charcoal rug and then the light gray rug in the other corner it's you know everything kind of started to balance out a little bit yeah i think okay so obviously this is the after show if you guys have been listening you know the drill if you're new here we're going to talk about video production we're going to talk about side stories that happen that we cut from the episode because once again that episode was like an hour and Before I you chop, a, chop, chop. Chop, chop, chop. And that was what, 22 minutes? 22 minutes. Bye-bye. So first I want to talk about the attic. I don't know if you were reading the comments, Chris, but a lot of people related to the pain that you felt <laughs> up in the attic during the episode. Oh, f***ing hell. It's in there. I got to crawl through there. Oh, okay. My life. Aha, here we go. So, yeah, I I get it. Anybody who has ever fished wires or done anything in the attic will feel that pain. And I I was having flashbacks myself to our old house. You spent a lot of time in the attic in our old house. Because we did a full home automation, custom home automation system. Didn't we talk about this in the last episode? In ceiling speakers everywhere. So we I had 12 gauge, 12 gauge speaker wire running to every single room in the house, mm-hmm. which all home based back to our media wall. Yep. And we had in ceiling speakers. This was in our first house. Yeah. And then we had, I had ran, I installed our alarm system, the Elk M1 Gold, which was like the creme de la creme alarm system. Back then? If you, if you know, you know. <laughs> was <laughs> it back then or not currently? If there are any installers listening to this, they know. Yeah. But I installed the Elk M1 Gold with basically quad wire essentially to all the sensors. We put basically windows and door sensors on every single window and door that that opened the outside. So yeah. it was it was a lot of wire fishing. And then we installed security cameras too. Mm-hmm. Every corner of the yeah. house. And then we did a lot of extra lighting circuits too. We did. And a lot of custom lighting and recessed lighting. So between the high and low voltage stuff, we fished, I fished thousands of feet of wire in that house. Mm -hmm. And now coming back to this, even just putting speakers for the, for the surround sound here. Yeah. While it's not nearly as complicated as our last project, it was still a little bit of a pain. Well, 
the attic is bigger in parts, but also smaller in parts. And a lot of the places yes. that you had to crawl into were very small. True, true. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to do it because I probably would have been up there in the corner having a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm itchy. It's too small. It's really dark. I'm tired. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably exactly what would happen. You know yourself. <laughs> oh, 100%. That kind of brings us to a question that we have here. Adiria asks, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Oh, you most definitely are. Oh, 100%. I suck at reading. Like I have to listen to audiobooks because I can't read. Okay. Question is, at about five minutes and 24 seconds, what was that silver thing you used to feed the wires down to Becky? I've been using a wire coat hanger. Very DIY, but it works if the tape doesn't slip, which it usually does at least once. <laughs> so those were mesh pulling grips by Klein Tools. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of little tricks for fishing wires i think that you've kind of come up with over the years but there's specific tools that really help you yeah so the the wire the the mesh wire trap basically acts like a chinese finger trap i can say that because i'm chinese you can't say it because it's racist okay so it acts as a chinese finger trap and it as it pulls it tightens, it tightens on the, onto the wire and right. then you can just basically pull it through so yeah. it's pretty handy yeah um is it required no i mean i used to use my probably go-to method last house i had a one inch or three quarter inch long auger bit which is basically it's just a long drill bit we, uh, we had we, had you, in this, we used it in this episode yeah it's, yeah your mom goes is that a drill bit <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> mamu appears out of nowhere yeah. she's like visiting that's for a that, drill bit <laughs> she was visiting that one time when we were doing that wiring yeah that, I love that project yeah yeah so i just drilled that through and uh, just electrical tape and just tape it to the thing and just pull it through. Yeah. So basically what? This yeah. Person I is also, doing. I also did buy though fishing poles, not like. Not like fishing poles yeah. from Dick's Sporting Goods. These but. are, but these are like orange fiberglass rods that snap together with, they have elastic in them, but they, do they have, I can't remember. They snap together like tent poles. Yeah. So you can make them as long or as short as you want in increments of like three or four feet. They have a little hook or something on the end, isn't it? Yeah. And so what I do is I, I hook the wire around the hook and then I wrap it in electrical tape so it won't give, it won't give out basically right. or let go. Yeah. That sucks. You have to refish it. <clears throat> oh my God. I'm having flashbacks. To, <laughs> I remember distinctly I was up in the attic and I was, the house, our old house didn't have power at the switches. They ran power to the light fixture and then they did, they looped a hotline down to the switch which would then break the hotline and then back so there's no neutrals at the switch so you couldn't get true power at the switch which you need for smart light switches right so i had to fish another wire from the light to the junction box and i was up top drill a <laughs> hole in the top plate and then i was just like basically like it was actually like a precursor to ir yeah it was like house ir it was house I, house ir house intervention radiology and i was basically like <laughs> trying to thread this little fishing wire down try not try not to drop it into the wall cavity god and then having to hit like a, punt, a tiny a, hole, a knockout yeah. in the junction box that was like that big. Uh, <laughs> that actually brings me to a question too that I, I actually forgot to put in my app here, but it was on Instagram. Somebody's wondering how you learned how to do electrical. Like if you read a book or if you did a court, uh, like. I don't remember. It's just a slow thing over time. I remember. You bought a huge book on. Yeah, I didn't read it. I thought you read the whole thing. Fuck no. <laughs> Just, oh well just, shit sorry person I just, who asked that i guess i lied i didn't I guess, realize i just was... googled things as i needed to know them and but then, you like, you spent like a you and my uncle wired up our whole kitchen and he taught you yeah. a bunch of shit so i that well, was like an apprenticeship <laughs> <laughs> well i i kind of like learn stuff myself basic things yeah and then when he came he was like oh you know a lot of this like foundation stuff and 
But the thing that I try not to do is I have to realize that like it's Dunning-Kruger though, right? Like I'm not an electrician. Right. And, and and there's times so far in this house where we've been like, uh, this is the point where we need to call somebody. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like basic things, yes, I'm comfortable doing. Um, but like, you know, calculating volume for a junction box and if there's too many conductors in there, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Wiring up new plugs, you know, putting new, putting new breakers in. Like, like low that. voltage exterior lighting. All the low voltage stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah. And there's not really any inspections are required for it's that stuff. It's just like calculating wattage for your... Yeah, like I understand, I have a cursory understanding of electricity <laughs> to be able to do these things, but I've I'm I try to be hyper aware of Dunning Kruger effect, meaning like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, like you know a little bit, and you have peak confidence, and then as you start knowing, getting more involved in the field and learning more in a field, you actually start getting less confident because you're realizing, holy shit, there's a lot I don't know. Right. And how do you how do you know what you don't know if you don't know it? Exactly. You know? And then only until you become an expert at something, i.e. if you're an actual professional electrician, do you get back to that level of confidence than when you're beginning. So I try not to be overconfident, and I double and triple check things with respect to code Yeah. Um, on a regular basis, and I call up the electrical inspector if I don't know something, or an electrician if I don't know something. Right. So it's not just assuming. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important to know when, when it comes to DIY, it's easy to look at electrical and be like, oh, I can learn how to do this. But there are these little nuance, nuances that- I'm more afraid of plumbing. Yeah. Well, we're afraid of plumbing because we had a really bad experience with water on a, a number of occasions in our first house. But not because of bad plumbing, but because of a leaky roof. Um, when our pipes exploded. Oh yeah, wall. yeah, the pipes. So exploded. that was that was funny. Yeah. But that wasn't because of a shoddy no plumbing that was job. It was just our hard Newfoundland water eating through the copper, copper pipes, yeah, or whatever was in the water that does that. And all of the leaks that See, we I had. Don't even, I don't even know why the copper pipes yeah. would, would erode in Newfoundland and not here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we call we called the plumber for most. Yeah, but with that said, like basic PEX. Basic stuff. Yeah, PEX makes things fairly easy. You'll see that in the next episode, which is supposed to be on Sunday. It's not going to be on Sunday. Did you talk to the glass people? No, I haven't called them yet. I mean, it's been a week and a half. They told me at least two weeks. So. She's not going to call them. I'm going to, I called the dumpster people today, didn't I? Oh, shit. Yeah, shit, bitch. We're going to move on to the next thing, mm-hmm. which is the TV controversy. <laughs> I want to, I want to preface this by I saying. I want to preface this by saying that most people were team Chris. Yeah, most people were. I was out greatly outnumbered. Not even that, but people were offended by your hurtful comments. Listen, I'm sorry. I would be a terrible tech YouTuber. You would be. Between hating the way <laughs> TVs and like speakers and shit look like in a room. You triggered so many people. Plus the state in which our camera is currently. I posted a photo of it on on Twitter today. People were like, oh. Can we just pause for a moment? And when I just realized that I just put my headphones on. <laughs> I didn't even notice. They're just covered in dust. They're, they are filthy. absolutely filthy right now. That's what our and camera looked like. Shout today. out to so- these Sony headphones. Shout out to Sony in general. We, <laughs> because our camera is also Sony. True, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. I got we got these headphones in camera camp. Yeah. And they're incredible, by the way. What an awesome like you know you get these like like door pro- not door prizes, but like oh, like swag gift packages. Bags. Yeah. <laughs> and it's usually just like crappy stuff that isn't like just cheap and it's like, oh let's make gift bags for all the attendees. Their bags were incredible. Yeah. It was like, like everything was a pair useful. of like how much were these headphones? I don't they're even like know. Three hundred dollars. It's like, oh, a pair of three hundred dollar headphones. It's like holy moly, these are great headphones. Here's wandered camera bags. Yeah. They're like $300 as well. Yeah. I, I still, use, but I use these headphones and I use them all the time. Yeah, same. And they also, they double as my, like, my ear protection. Because they're um, incredible soundproofing. This is not sponsored by Sony. No, there's not. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that they're not rated to actually provide industrial protection, but I find subjectively they do just as good of a job, if not better, 
as just the earmuff style ones. Yeah. And bonus, I can listen to music while I'm renovating. Yeah. So anyway, I was ripping out the bathroom. Well, we don't, we can't tell them about the next, project yet. Next drop. Yeah. Anyway. This we is were, about the living room. We were doing a very dirty project. Yes. Breaking up much more tiles. Many, 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 yeah. many, many. More anyway. So this, this is why my headphones are shithauled. Yep. So the TV. So my parents are here. They got an early viewing of the episode because whenever we make videos, we, we don't just export them and upload them. They get uploaded. We watch them on the TV. We watch critically. We look for, you know, audio, spelling mistakes, um, misaligned adjustment layers, the, anything that could be weird. The one frame of doom. The one frame of doom. Exactly. So we pulled it up on the TV to proof it and they seen it. And so my dad, <laughs> the episode goes over. He goes, that was fabulous. Excellent episode. There's one thing I would change. And then there was like a dramatic pause. And I was like, oh my God. What? Because my dad, what my find? dad's like really into architecture. He goes, I would have gotten a bigger TV. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell you, man. No. But with that said, look, you had to look at the science, look at the facts. <laughs> it, <laughs> the science. <laughs> if you have a TV of a certain size, yeah. a fixed size, yeah. with and in turn have pixels of a certain size, yeah. there is a distance at which you ex if you exceed that distance, you cannot resolve... 10, I, under, I understand versus 4k okay so what okay. i'm saying is the recommended viewing size for the tv for that 14 foot viewing distance right. was an ungodly size of like 90 inches ugly you also have to think it's about the like of the wall balance mm -hmm. symmetry Feng shui. white space mm -hmm. you know and it has to visually make sense a 90 inch tv like i i'm sorry who if i offended anybody but i hate like the fact that we even had to put a TV in there sucks, but we had to put a TV in there because we love watching TV. It's just entertainment, TV. entertainment centers are just terrible to design around because they're just big black boxes and he wouldn't let me get a picture frame TV. So no, it wasn't, I wouldn't let you get a picture frame TV. It's just that the picture frame wouldn't TV let me get topped out at 65 inches exactly. and we're not putting a little pin or 65 inch TV on that wall. Anyway. That would look so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, that would look stupid. It can't be too big and it can't be too small. It has to be just right. The Goldilocks TV. So we did end up with the 70 fucking seven or whatever it 75. is. 75. I'm sorry yeah. if I offended anybody, but my opinions is my opinions. I don't like curtains. I don't yeah. like large TVs. Which the TV. I don't like lazy boy furniture. How do you feel about the TV? I think that it's an appropriate size for the room and for the viewing distance. I'm talking about the quality of the TV. The quality of the TV is not good. No. It was a... It's already broken. It's been two years. Yeah. It's a Samsung Q LED 60 or right. something. It lasted just until the warranty. And then it broke. And then the panel needed to be replaced. Yeah. That's why I blurred out the logo. Because you didn't want to promote I it. I didn't want to promote it. It mm -hmm. literally had like a broken pixel line every eight pixels. Yeah. So just like a month after the warranty. Ended. Clearly there was like some, pro some, if it's every eight lines, like it's too coincidental. That's every eighth row of pixels. Yeah. Like that has to be do with like some sort of um, bit you know, a, a, a digital sort of artifact of some sort yeah. or failure. Yeah. But anyway, the, <laughs> they replaced the panel and now there's a huge defect. There's, like, there's a splotch on it. I was like, you know what? Whatever. This, it's it just is like, what it is. I had to argue with Samsung. I'm fucking going Sony next time. <laughs> I, had to, I had to argue with Samsung for so long they on the phone because they wouldn't replace it. Yeah. And then I talked to the guy. They were like, oh, do you want to send somebody over to assess it because it's out of warranty? It's like, I was like, sure. I was like, like, that's going to be like a hundred dollars. It's just like your TV literally broke. We did like, nothing to it. All right, fine. Send them over and just, and then 
the guy who came as the, he was like a third, he wasn't like technically a Samsung employee. He was like a third party who was contracted by Samsung. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. He was great. He, he was like, yeah. okay, this is what you got to do. He's like, you got to call, tell him you've been a Samsung customer. You know, you've been happy with all the stuff. You have all Samsung products uh, and ask for a one-time warranty extension. Don't ask for a warranty extension. Ask for a one-time warranty extension that will cover this bill. I was like, okay. So I called up, use that exact wording. And they're like, okay, we'll grant you a one-time warranty extension and cover the cost. Um, and they covered parts and labor. Yeah. Because they initially only wanted to cover the labor or like cover the parts and make me pay for labor. I was like, no. I was like, no. This is <laughs> this is your product failing. I didn't drop it. I was like, there's no physical damage. Yeah. It lasted just until the, you warranty. Know, the warranty expired. And then it was like a month later, it broke. Yeah. The thing was interesting is that Every service person, third-party service person that came to look at the TV was phenomenal. Mm. Oh, they yeah, were all it, great. One guy came in, and then the other guy came to do actual repair. Well, and in between, a guy came, and he's like, hey, we're here to inspect the TV. I was like, mm, you're supposed to be replacing the panel today. And they were like, what? I was like, yeah. And they are like, that's not what they told me. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry oh, for know, wasting you, your time. You, you, you know like, what happened? Is that they created a new ticket once I got my new warranty to attach uh, the new warranty to that ticket. Yeah. And that new ticket triggered their third party person to come thinking it was a new right. Complaint. So the, the process wasn't terrible and we got it fixed. So thankfully it was decent customer service, mm-hmm. but really upset that it broke right at like the two year mark right yeah. after the warranty for how expensive Play that man, TV is. They don't, they don't make things like they used to. They huh? don't. <laughs> Those goddamn cathode ray tube TVs <laughs> wouldn't die. If we, we should have taken that corner cabinet. We should have just got an old cathode ray tube TV. Exactly. 42 inches, creme to the creme. <laughs> Perfect size. No, yeah. kidding. no kidding. <laughs> that's, that was a massive TV back in the day. It was, yeah. Yeah, I remember a 42-inch TV was oh, like, was holy big. moly, you rolling in dough. Now you're like, oh, you can get a 90-something-inch TV. Yeah. Ugly. You're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I take that back. Fuck you. Um, okay, so there are a couple of- <laughs> Thank you. I have a couple of comments here about said television. Okay. A lot of comments, man. I felt real bad after. I was like, "Ooh, shit, yeah, right." Uh, you really called out everybody. Yeah, I'm everybody sorry, everybody. Who has this TV bigger than 75 inches? To to be fair, you you were you probably should have qualified the statement by saying a TV that's this too big for your space. Yeah, and I think like on the other side, like a TV that's too small for your space is also awkward. Yes, like it's going to look too small on the wall. Like it's all about balance. And I think we can per- get one notch pers- up proportions we easily go to 80 i think we could have gone to 80 would i have been happy about go. that that's no, what she said i think you're right she yeah. said we can go to 80 so now not ideal since this tv is now <laughs> defunctional dysfunctional we i'm should not getting another, i'm not getting, not, I'm not getting another samsung put my foot down okay there's a comment here from nix they say the only thing i don't get is having to look at the tv off angle it doesn't look like it's placed for any seat in particular to be ideal everything else looks beautiful the firewood stacks brilliant didn't the same comment Thank happen you. in the guest room because no one knew that the tv was on a so swivel? the tv is on a swivel arm just yes. like the one in the guest room so the tv obviously like we couldn't mount it off center or in the corner because it didn't make sense for the layout of the space Um, the living room is set up to have a number of seating areas. So depending on where you're sitting, you can adjust the TV basically to work for your viewing distance. So TV extends, it turns, it comes out, it angles exactly. So, uh, most of the time we sit in the corner of the sectional, that is the perfect spot. Best seat in the house. Best seat in the house. So we pull the TV out, angle it. And when you're laying down, you're straight onto it. So when we're designing these spaces, especially with like technology like that, we want to keep things as minimal as possible, but have them also extremely functional so that when we are using them, it's comfortable. So our solution here was to have that on a a slim arm, 
and to be able to pull out an angle, that was a must. Um, and truth be told, we're really lazy. So it's actually pulled out and angled the majority of the time, unless we're having people over or we're shooting in there. Yeah. Um, another, I saw another comment about why didn't we build the TV into the wall and basically create a frame around it. And there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, two years in our TV broke. Right. We didn't want to build a permanent structure that forced us into the same ratio and same size TV. And even a same size TV from a different manufacturer. Could be a different ratio. Yeah, we did that in our old house, actually. We did. We sold the TV with the house. We did. Because it was literally a hole in the slat wall. Yeah. And the TV was integrated in. Perfectly. It looked great. It did look great. Like it looked fantastic. Yeah. But it was, yeah, you build your house around tech. The tech's only tech going to last for so long. Exactly. As we've seen with the corner cabinet. Exactly. You know, nothing dates yeah. a, nothing dates a room like a, a specific cabinet to fit a TV. So that's, yeah. while it's a great idea, just we didn't want to do it because it would require us to, you know, change things around or it could look dated mm -hmm. quickly. Someone else asked, I didn't save this question, but there was a question about why our TV isn't mounted in the center of the space. That was a little bit of a challenge because we have a cabinet coming you know, on one side of the wall and then the cabinet drops down and it's lower. So, and then those cabinets have three doors on them. So we could either center it on the wall from the drywall to the fireplace, center it on the lower cabinet, but there's also two pot lights that are permanently installed, cut out in the wood ceiling right in the that are not centered with the cabinet. So we chose to center the TV on the lights because centering the TV over the cabinet and having the lights off by a couple of inches oh yeah would have been and would have been terrible to look at but when the lights on having the light uneven with the TV like the way the lights spilled it was just not you wouldn't have been able to do it couldn't do it so girl, you know this girl can't even poop if one of her her wall sconces is one inch off yeah i can't deal with that i can't deal with it so yeah so you know there are things like that where like sometimes like it doesn't doesn't work out like in a perfect world everything would be centered unfortunately we're renovating a house with existing you know infrastructure infrastructure that we have the work around so yes. you do what what makes the most sense and you do what makes you feel the least uncomfortable. We're going to talk about these strip lights. Can you tell us what happened when you went up onto the soffit to replace the strip lights? Yeah. So there were actually strip lights existing on top of the soffit already, but they're not like the LED strips that we all think about nowadays. This was, this was incandescent rope lights from the nineties. So they were high voltage, 120 volts and they got hot. There were scorch marks. It was basically a plastic or like a rubber rope, like a plastic rope with little sort of like, almost like a little dot fairy lights yeah. in them. It was kind of like what you'd see those like old tube Christmas lights that they used to have where you could like string them around things that yeah. were red and green. But they were like incandescent, like filaments, like most yeah. of the films were burned out and they were, there were scorch marks on the wood on the top because they got really hot. <laughs> That's one thing, but terrifying. The, the second thing, and I was like, there's a fire waiting to happen. You know, we still have some of those on top of the kitchen cabinets. I know. I, I personally don't turn them on because I, want them I to noticed that my, my dad would turn them on when he just flick on all the lights and then I would turn them off. Yeah. I just turn them <laughs> off. <laughs> at night. I tell him. Yeah. But the other thing that was a little bit sketchy was that the connection in which they were wired up they don't, they didn't plug in. They were just two conductors, two Moret nuts, wire nuts, and <laughs> connected to a piece of Romex, non-metal wire coming out of the wall. Oh my God. And a connection outside a junction box. Safety. And just anybody who doesn't know anything about electrical is you don't put connections outside of junction boxes. 
You don't hide junction boxes. You don't put connections outside we, of junction boxes. We just found a hidden junction box. We found a hidden junction box this weekend. We found yeah. So there are have been a couple sketchy things in this house electrical wise. Yeah. I also found a uh, twenty amp breaker with a home run of fourteen gauge two conductor wire. You also found You're supposed to have twelve gauge wire for a twenty amp breaker. So yeah. I had to Yikes. downgrade the breaker to a fifteen amp breaker. So long story short, yeah, this this. These rope lights, not only were they sketchy in them themselves, but the connections in which they were wired up was pretty sketchy too. So yeah. I had to take those, term I terminated them into junction boxes, created plugs in which we can then plug in hue strip lights. So we replaced all of those with, with hue strips. Yeah. How many We also didn't really we also didn't really talk like in the episode, it shows me fishing low voltage wires, but then it kind of cuts to the hue strips. Yeah. So it kind of compresses all of the low voltage and high voltage stuff into one little montage. Yeah, but you get the idea of what's happening get, but without all of the details. You get the essence and we, that's we cut it down. That's why after show. Exactly, yeah. So we we terminated the, the electrical um, outlets. We terminated the electrical wires up there into outlets. We fished low voltage 12 gauge speaker wire for the surround sound. Mm -hmm. We put the hue strips and then we could just plug into the strips, yeah. into the plugs rather. We put in... How many hue lights do we have? I think it's 27. It was so expensive. Yeah. It was, it was really painful to do, but fuck, was it ever worth it? It was a lot of money, but it was so worth it. It can make moody scenes. Yeah. It, I mean, uh, you know, I said earlier, this is the one room we went all out yeah. because this is our one living space where we spent like any free time that we have. We're there, mm -hmm. whether it's watching movies, eating dinner, drinking coffee in those corner black chairs, you know, watching YouTube, reading books like it, it's in that room. Yeah. And we went all out with the furniture that we chose, the lighting that we chose, and outfitting that whole place with Hugh. Yeah. So Philip Hugh, Philip Hugh, this this is not sponsored Phillips. by Phillips. Hugh. Philip Hugh. Who's Philip Hugh by? <laughs> Body Philip. Body Philip. So Phillips Hugh, we're not spot. It's not sponsored by Phillips Hugh. This is not sponsored by anybody. No. But <laughs> the reason we went with them is because they have, in my opinion, the highest quality light. I agree. With the exception that they flicker on video, it's certain colors. But we have a hack for that. And by hack, I mean a plug-in. Yeah. We have a plug-in called Digital Anarchy Anti-Flicker Plug-in, <laughs> and it is phenomenal. Yeah, it does a very good job. It does a really good job. So that's one of our favorite plugins for video, especially for this, because you want to show like the lighting, yeah. right? It's useful. I mean, like I wouldn't go and film a whole video with that lighting and just be like, oh, I'm going to fix this in post. Because no, it, because it's very heavy on the CPU. It, it is. Yeah. But for like a random clip of B-roll where you want to show the essence of a room and it might only be like a five second clip, you can easily remove the flicker. Yeah. We used it for heading ease too. We did. Yeah. So the quality of, aside from the flicker, but the quality of light is almost indistinguishable from incandescent light in my opinion yeah. and you get all the colors and you can make a whole spectrum of colors. so i like it for that mm -hmm. reason the app is okay it's it's not the most intuitive but it's not the worst app but the logic for the automation isn't as good as i'd like it to be right because in our old home we used uh, a universal devices that's the name of the company isy99i which is the name of the, the box you're really creative and that, well, that, I mean, it was made by a bunch of engineers, clearly. Yeah, yeah. The, the interface was not very pretty. It looked, looked like it was made by a bunch of engineers, but very powerful logic. And but you it can, broke a lot. It stopped working a lot of I think times. it's because the- And you that, had to like code stuff. That was like the Insteon modem. Yeah. So there's this like happy medium where it's like Apple versus the rest of the computer ecosystem. It's the like- The hue is like Apple. Things that just work. It just works. But are a little bit more limited. Yeah. 
in functionality versus things that you have to tinker with more, but is not as limited in functionality. You and don't need any coding experience or any experience to use there the There's something very... It's not coding, but not it's more like what is it, logic. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like if-then statements. Yeah. And it was pretty satisfying making like these complex if-then arguments. Like if it's this time of day and this motion sensor goes off, turn this light onto this. Yeah. If it's this, then that. So you can make some pretty cool. So like when I got up in the morning, we had a, um, a sensor on our door. If I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I had it say like if, um, you know, like primary bedroom motion or uh, door um, contact trips and between this, you know, this time and this time s- dim fade on hallway lights to like 10%. Yeah. Cause it knows I was going to the bathroom. Right. You know, if it's during this time of day, so you could do like complex stuff like that. I don't know if you can really do that with Hue. Yeah. I don't think so, but I think that just, it's just easier to yeah. use. And then we would, we'd have like variables that are store variables and like very complex. We had a lot of really complex things like fading the exterior lights on over 10 minutes at sunrise but it you can do that with hue though you can do it with hue actually it does it does track the time change yeah it does yeah that that's a new addition to hue actually they added that recently really yeah okay like within the last like six months to eight months yeah but i remember like i would you i would have like the lighting box can the ISY99 and I talked to the Elk M1 Gold. Yeah. It would be integrated and that would have like variables. I could change variables and have like store data, you know, turn variable to this, variable whatever to this. And then you could use that to like totally change your logic. So it's very complex. But anyway, nonetheless, Hue overall, I've, I've liked it. But one of the big downfalls is there's a maximum number of devices you can have on a Hue network. We ask, found that out this weekend. Ask me how I know that 63 <laughs> lights is the, the, the largest number of lights you can have. How do you know? Because we have more than 63 lights. <laughs> we need a Hue sponsorship. We do. Because yeah. it's getting ridiculous and Hue's we haven't even done all the rooms bankrupting yet. Bankrupting us. Yeah. <laughs> but I will tell you, if you I, drop one, they probably won't break. Maybe. No. Well. We had to get a new Hue bridge just for the exterior lights. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. We're going to move on to a question I actually didn't save here. Um, I saw a comment on the video uh, that kind of said something along the lines of, you know, if you're looking at this living room and you're really liking it, just keep in mind that the the furniture the furniture in the space costs a small fortune. And if you're on a budget, you can't get this look. Well, they kind of insinuated that if you're saying, oh, this all looks great, just remember that that it looks great because it costs it's expensive. a small fortune. Right. That so, was that was the essence of it. That's right. Yeah. So I, I wanted to touch on it for a minute because like like I said, we did go all out with the space. We did splurge on a lot of items. This is our second house, but our fourth living place. We really, really wanted to to buy, we're, buy we're it old, once, buy it right. We're older than we look. We are. Um, with that being said, though, I truly feel that if you liked the look of our space, our makeover, and you wanted to mimic that on a budget you could very easily do that. There are so many like more affordable options to get the same look. You just kind of have to hunt for it. And I think when we talked about Ikea, we talked the entire last episode was about Ikea, but in our last house, we were on a very strict budget. And I think that we got a, a decent look using Ikea, mixing, you know, dark moody wall paint and some other, you know, vines that we found at different stores to kind of create this look. Knock that, off Barcelona chair. Yeah. Knock, knock off Barcelona chair, DIY Nelson bench, you know, like building stuff, just finding stuff that's, you know, cheaper or things that actually look expensive, but aren't and kind of mixing them in. Right. Yeah. The comment I think 
wasn't a negative comment. No, I don't think so. I think it was a neutral comment. I agree. And I think that there is some validity to it because they also mentioned too, that, you know, like note that all this, a lot of the stuff was sponsored, not sponsored, but gifted. Well, the only thing that was gifted was the couch and the black chairs. Thank you, Gus. Yeah. And those are two or three rather big items. They are. They are. The couch was almost $5,000. Right. So that's like, that's a, that's a huge chunk. Expensive. That's an expensive couch. That's half the probably half the furniture budget right there yeah, we would have probably we would have purchased it anyway if yeah, yeah. that's true but it's um you don't have to have a five thousand dollar couch to make a space look nice is what i'm getting at yeah the flip side of that is you can put a five thousand dollar couch into a space and it still might look like shit yeah. if you haven't put it together um nicely exactly and you can put a one thousand dollar couch into a space and if you pair it with the right things or do it right you can make it look great. Yeah. So I, I think while there, there's, I, I don't think the correlation with price and how good something looks um, is one-to-one. I agree. I saw another question wondering what we did with the furniture that we had in the before images that were in the living room. Um, everything you see here, we did reuse it. Um, we talked a little bit about size and we'll talk about that after, but we did take all that furniture and use it here. Shop in the house, babe. We shop the house, babe. Yeah, we did. I didn't <laughs> want to get rid of this couch. It, this is also Gus. So is that chair. So is that table. So is this. Everything's yeah. Gus. We love Gus. Thank you, Gus, <laughs> for all the, all of the support over here. Um, they make fantastic stuff. You've always loved Gus since the beginning. Always. And I was so excited when they were- You wanted a Gus in our first house, but you couldn't afford couldn't it. Couldn't afford it. And then when we moved to Vancouver, They we worked with them and Sam Design from Newfoundland to furnish our apartment. Sam Design is an interior it's design for, and furniture store. In St. John's, incredible. Um, yeah, and so just, you know, been building this relationship with Gus and I did some, you know, promotional videos for them for their own marketing purposes. First one being on this couch and then we did a couple more during the pandemic and then they were supposed to come up here um, before the pandemic hit. We were going to shoot some stuff in the living room and then all that stuff happened. And so, um, you know, and of course the videos got delayed because of that and building supplies and getting contractors in and, and whatever. So, um, but yeah, shout out to Gus because we love. Let's talk about the floor refinishing for a minute. And like the whole, we thought it was ash and got the ash delivered. Yeah. I, I've always, <laughs> I've always been like, as an amateur and amateur woodworker, mm-hmm. I've always like been had a hard time telling the difference between woods, like birch Especially, versus maple. Yeah. Birch, or, maple, ash, hickory, like they're, they're all just kind of these light hardwoods. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm sure like if you worked in the industry, you'll know, like, you'll be, oh, that's this, you know, finished. But the guys who, the flooring guys who yeah. do this every day, they came in like, yeah, I think it's ash. Let's order ash. And they brought, they ordered a bunch of ash in, did not match. They installed it in the corner next to the TV and they were like, I don't think this is ash. Yeah. And I was like, I can't really tell the difference. And he was like, no, look. And like, they ripped it out. Took took back all the wood. Took back all the wood. He's like, I think it's select hickory. And then I deep dove into the paperwork that the previous owners left. And deep in the binder, there was a receipt for the wood that said select hickory. You know what's interesting is that when you are buying something from a first, from the original owners. Yeah. And somebody who is who has clearly and meticulously built their dream home, which this was, yeah, and they paid attention to all the details and they kept meticulous notes. We got a we got handed a binder by by the former owners, full of like all receipts. the notes, the plans, the blueprints, the receipts, all like the estimates. So you go back far enough and you can figure out what vendor you know installed this or 
what, what wood is used on the floors? And you sure enough found a receipt for select hickory. Yeah. It's like, wow, if we just went, <laughs> we just dug through this in the beginning. We would have been able to tell the guys not to order ash. <laughs> anyway, I think it was kind of cool. It, it just kind of shows you the attention to detail that they weren't just like, uh, we'll just put it in anyway. They were like, right. this isn't right. And so they sent back the ash, they ordered select hickory, and then they redid it. We hired this out because... Well, first of all, we had a lot of floor to patch around the TV area when we took out that corner cabinet. But we also had our kitchen and little coffee nook area done as well, which was all old cork. You'll see that in the kitchen episode eventually. But we had the cork removed and had that flooring just continue throughout. And then they came and they laid that hardwood and then sanded everything down and clear Finished it all as one slab. It's a massive space. It's probably the amount of new flooring they put in between the kitchen and the coffee nook. It's probably equivalent to another living room, basically. Yeah. More or less. In the in the pantry. Yes. And in, and a lot of really strange angles and yeah. trying to fit around cabinetry. It was just a job that we weren't willing to well, take Well, how on. long did it take three guys? It took a week and a half, three guys here all day long. It would have taken us months. Months. Yeah. We just didn't want to do it and we didn't feel like we could do a good enough job. And we felt that we would probably end up having to have somebody come in and redo it. So we were just like, you know what? We're going to find the people with the best reviews and we're going to have them come in and do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. There you go. Okay. Let's go. A couple more questions here now. The St. Marcus says, how well does Becky's iPad doodle translate to the actual vision? I've done iPad doodles and mood boards before photo shoots, but somehow they always fall a little bit short of what I actually had in mind. What do you guys do to make an idea a reality one-to-one? I think it, it can go either way. I have a brief pretty much idea of what I want to do. Sometimes it's right on the money. Sometimes it's completely different. So for example, when we did the studio, my drawing, I did it before we did anything down here. And I would say that 70% of it is the same. We did change like the accent wall. This was all going to be OSB. We decided not to do that. This was going to be a completely different couch. We decided to keep this. So, um, but with the mood boards for some of the rooms, except for the bathroom, one, which you guys haven't seen yet. We actually shot it afterwards because that was an afterthought. That segment was an afterthought. Right. That wasn't part of the original. Like we didn't really have a plan when we were. Right. We, we just, cause we shot everything. that like two. So the episode two was shot three years ago, yeah. two years ago and episode the living room episode was shot in like 2019. So we didn't really know what this was going to be when we were shooting the bathroom episode. That's when I decided, Ooh, we should do this mood board sequence segment so the bathroom one I actually did that before we started the renovation or like midway through the renovation and that one is 100% exactly what we had planned which still eventually see once we get a glass installed you'll see when the yeah exactly so you know but you know for the um header image like the what we call the marketing shot with home series I sketched two sketches for those and I think it's pretty close to yeah speaking of the bathroom glass that's the only missing piece yeah i really do think now we kind of got reminded of that stair project yeah facebook 10 years ago this day i was like oh my god that was a complex glass project well you definitely do the glass in the in the bathroom Uh, it had to be mitered the glass has to be mitered fine okay the next question is from cd ramir uh was there a reason why you didn't sand and stain the floor yourself did you have to add flooring to where the old tv cabinet was so we kind of just touched on that yeah we talked about that yeah uh, Alan Bradbury says, did you guys give any thought to painting the rock? That would have been a lot of rock to paint. Oh, yeah. I would not have that in me. No. But also, I think that it could have risked it looking cheap. There's not going back. 
There's no going back. Yeah. yeah. It's not like with wood where you can like, oh, I hate this. I can at least sand it, which you wouldn't want to do. Yeah. Because fuck. But I wouldn't want to paint it either. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think if anything, if we were going to do something, we would cover it in drywall. Mm-hmm. But you know, after we start working on the room, I actually really like the stone. The stone really grew on me. Same. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like... It wasn't, it's not something I hated when I came to the house, but it wasn't something that I was like, oh my God, look at the stone. I was like, well, I appreciate the craftsmanship yeah. in this stone work, this masonry work, mm-hmm. but it's like, I probably wouldn't have ever put it in if it wasn't already here. Yeah. But I like it out because it gives that kind of cozy lodge vibe, right? Yeah. I think it's different. It, it adds a, a different element than just plain white walls. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's just a different architectural type detail. You know, if we have kids in this house, they are going to be screwed. This house is not child proof i know what i would have been what i was like when i was a kid i was yeah. climbing on the roof because <laughs> our, our brick had little jut outs that made like a ladder i could climb up the corners of our house and climb onto the roof okay oh god i would be on the soffits when mom was went away i would be on <clears throat> climbing the rocks what is this that do not gonna die kareem gr says it's nice and such but i have one question how do you wash your windows do you hire somebody remember we talking about painting it black um we don't wash our windows uh, actually speak for yourself <laughs> i don't wash our windows i wash them becky washes them uh how do we wash <laughs> the windows uh the triangle ones i have not washed the insides of those uh the rest of them i just wash them with windex um vacuum them off with a horse hair brush use windex and the outside i just bought some new Windex outdoor window wash that attaches to your hose. So I'm going to try that. Apparently, according to my favorite cleaning Instagram account, Go Clean Co. Do you have multiple favorite ones? No, do you have multiple it's just the only one. It's the only cleaning it's the only one. It's the only one you need, Ben. Therefore, your favorite by default. I bought their handbook and everything. Yeah, it's good. Their Windex. Handbook. Oops, Windex. And I do all the cleaning myself in this house. We do not have a cleaning person. It's me. I have I'm a cleaning, cleaning lady. Person. You're my cleaning lady. Okay, next question. We've got Steve McCrory back for a question. They said they have no questions this week because they're speechless, but they actually have three questions. (laughs) Okay. Liar. Uh, Steve asks, how much overall value over the original purchase price do you think you've added to the property so far? In materials alone, now this covers the projects you've seen and you have not seen, uh, $48,500 in materials alone. So if we use our formula our rough calculation of if we were paying someone to do it, we probably double that. Yeah. So maybe a hundred grand. Okay. Uh, the next part is, have you had a professional valuation done since completing the renovations? So yes, but it but was, we're not done yet. It was not for the, re- it wasn't for like, Oh, let's see how much value we've had. It was because we were refinancing our mortgage and they actually had to get it appraised for, yeah. the, for the, for the bank or whatever. Um, and we were underwhelmed. Yeah, we My, were. Our mortgage broker was like, what? Yeah. It, it's only this much more. Like he's like the, everything around you guys has gone up 20% across the board. Yeah. He was like, that's really weird. I was like, well, what I drew from that was either he felt we overpaid for the house because we did go above asking. Yeah. Or he came in and realized that the house was half torn apart because it was during a renovation. So I guess from his standpoint, what he had to do was he had to value the house as if we were going to sell it right now. Yeah. And if you have a bunch of rooms that are torn to pieces. Yeah. It's like, how can you, the garage was like hoarders, living room yeah. was like hoarders, bathroom tore up, basement yeah, tore like up. Yeah, there's projects on the go, like trim pulled off. Yeah. You know, the bedroom and. I was giving him the whole PowerPoint, man. Yeah. I was, what was that? I don't know. Did something fall? I think it was up there. Oh, 
uh, I was giving them the whole PowerPoint. I was like, this is the before, this is how much we've done. These are our plans. But like, he this seemed, is, he seemed, he was really interested. He, yeah, interested. he did. Well, anyway, it's fine. Everything's fine. Whatever. It, but it has no bearing on the actual. No, it doesn't. Like it, it, we can turn around and sell it for whatever we want. Really. It's a meaningless number. Yeah. Yeah. We could be like, we could just say what the price is, mm-hmm. whether it's old or not. Who knows? Yeah. It's, well, you know what? Price, uh, value is only what someone's willing to pay for it. Yes. Uh, the last part, uh, Steve says, has Steph, your realtor, been around for coffee and a walk around slash sleepover in the guest room? <laughs> <laughs> no, she hasn't, but we should have her over probably the summer. Yeah. Maybe once we get our patio furniture, maybe we'll have Steph over for a little smoked meat. Smoked meat barbecue. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Some tomahawk steaks. Uh, that's it for the questions, but we have a couple of tips okay. to talk about because, you know, we're talking about production. We're talking about, we actually didn't really talk about production. We're really the design choices for the space kind of talked about that in the actual episode Sorry. we're 45 50 minutes 51 in minutes but we figured that we'd talk a little bit about you know at least give you something some takeaway for that that you can kind of implement in your own space so the first thing i wanted to talk about was scaling your furniture appropriately for a room so i'm going to pop this photo up on the screen to give you an example of the scale of this couch in the living room with chris like lying on it this is the picture <laughs> You're sleeping. You're asleep. You are literally taking up the entire couch. Why do I look like such a blob? Because that's what you look like when you're sleeping. (laughs) So that was an apartment size couch. It was very small for that Mm -hmm. room. So there's a couple of things like like you need to get another picture of me now on the larger couch. On the larger couch. Same position. Yeah. Well, I can tell you one thing. My parents are here. All four of us can lay on that couch and like not be touching, Mm. pretty much, or like sit half sit half lay, you know, and be comfortable. It's not like we're squat up. So when you're picking out, you know, furniture for your room, you want to try to scale your stuff appropriately to the space. You don't want to stuff a large room with a bunch of small furniture. Um, And you also don't want to put huge furniture in a small space because your, your space will feel small. So when it came to like our Vancouver apartment, we had a really small space. So we went for apartment size furniture with some normal size pieces. So it didn't feel like a miniature thing. And it was appropriately scaled for the room where it felt like it filled up the space, but it didn't feel like it was overwhelming the space. Here in in this room, we really needed to have a huge couch and we really should have a larger rug. And TV. But it's really (laughs) difficult to find really big rugs that aren't just jute. Like if you're looking for a charcoal gray rug, it is really difficult to find anything larger than a nine by 12. Inexpensive. So expensive. Mm. And, you know, when you're buying rugs, you can't really try them out. It's harder to right. send them back. It's, a you know, challenging. Um, so, yeah, I think with, with our living room, we got the bigger couch. We got um, a very large coffee table. Mm-hmm. The room could handle a large coffee table. And same with the artwork. We got big artwork. The table can be large. Even the light above the table is big. We got the large size uh, Nelson pendant light i think somebody was wondering what happens with the light if we ever want to move the table <laughs> the light stays we don't move the table we don't move the table <laughs> yeah um with this space we used our knowledge in photography to our advantage i think this is something that if you're into photography and video you don't really see a connection between interiors and photography and video but you can take a lot of that knowledge and kind of flip it and use it in a space. So why don't you talk about what we did with the white wall 
I was like, what did we do? <laughs> yeah. So that whole, the corner where we painted all the cabinets white, put the new doors on, painted everything white, got rid of the warm wood, which actually was very dark because it was a, the tra- they called transom windows. They're called clear story windows. Clear story windows, right. So there's clear story windows on one side and then a lot of wood versus the other side, which was the southern facing exposure where there was basically tall floor to ceiling windows and it was much brighter. So that corner felt really dark, that side of the room, the north yeah, side of the room. So we painted it all white and essentially it's like a reflector. So if anybody's shop used is used to like, you know, studio lighting and photography, you have a key light and then sometimes you can have a fill light, but you can also just use a white surface to reflect or bounce light. And we essentially kind of use that as fill for the room, more or less, just to kind of brighten up the dark side of that room. Yeah, exactly. With that, we had those prints on the wall. Um, We like to put glass in front of our prints because, you know, there's a lot of dust that's happening. As soon as you have paper that's exposed to the air and dust, you can't really wipe it down without potentially ruining your photo. So we, we like to frame with glass. In this room, it was challenging because we have that bank of windows directly in front of the glass. So we went for a museum glass, which is supposed to be the most anti-glare. And you can still see that there is a glare. That's how bright and how many windows are in that room that there's still a glare. Now, a lot of times at certain angles, it doesn't even look like those prints have glass on them, which is phenomenal. Um, but you can see how much light is coming in from those windows. So it did really help to have all of that white just bouncing in and even just like a little bit of fill just makes that whole space a lot happier and lighter and more comfortable to be yeah. in. Yeah, we're, we're, we were then drawn to that side of the room where we have, would avoid it before. Yeah. Even during the day sometimes, like I hated sitting over there in the day mm-hmm. before and now I'm like, Ooh, you can actually see the sun coming through the window and like lighting up the corner where the couch is. And, and it, I think it helps too that the couch is light gray. Yep. So there's still light reflecting off that as well. So keeping that, you know, nice and light and bright helps. Uh, Somebody was wondering why we didn't paint the TV wall black for the TV to kind of uh, fade away into the wall. And we didn't want to darken that space any more than it already was. The key there was lightening everything up. Yep, exactly. Um, Let's talk about mixing woods. I don't know anything about that. So I'm going to let you talk about that. Okay. In the space, we mixed a lot of wood tones. And normally I wouldn't love to do that, but in this space, it actually makes the room, I think, feel cozier and a little bit more collected where modern can tend to sometimes feel really sterile, especially if you're using white walls. So I think when it comes to mixing wood, keep your woods uh, similar undertones. So if you're using like cool woods, pick all cool woods. If you're using warm woods, warm tones, pick all warm tone woods. So we have like maple and walnut, which are all kind of these like yellowy warm woods and they're different you know, tones of that, but they're still all warm. So they all kind of coordinate and we, and they show up a couple of different places in the room as well. So at least two pieces of each wood kind of makes a space feel a little more collected. If you have one maple piece and one walnut piece is probably going to feel mismatched, but if you have two or three walnut pieces, two or three maple pieces, and they're kind of, you know, intermingled within the room and kind of balanced out, then I think it can work. You got walnut and plexiglass wood. Yeah. (laughs) Plexiglass wood. Yeah, exactly. Um, And there was a question about mixing styles. What happens if you have a lot of furniture from a bunch of different types of styles and nothing really goes? And I think the best way to deal with that is to pick a color palette and keep it, you know, within that one color palette. And then I think you can mix a bunch of different styles so long as that 
the colors match. So whether it's neutrals or like creams or grays or. Didn't you say that people are getting away from like matched sets nowadays? Yeah, I think that people are really moving away from matched sets. I think like gone are the days of walking into a furniture store and buying the matching coffee and end tables or buying the matching dresser and nightstand. Like from the same product line, you mean? From the same product line. Yeah, I think that people are kind of drawn to a more collected look where it feels like you found a couple of different pieces that kind of work together. Spresatura. Yeah, exactly. I Yeah, the, it's like less matchy-matchy. I think if you're going for a formal look, then maybe you're going to want to do the matching. Or if you're going for a really minimalistic look, then the matching probably works there as well. But if you want kind of something a little bit more dynamic, then sometimes mixing and matching different cuts, <laughs> I will say, different um, furniture pieces of the same color or same tone or or even same era, I think that can work. And like you said, it can soften the sterility of the of the modern genre. 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 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it can definitely feel like that, especially in a white room. And I, I'm a big fan of a, a bright white space. I also love a dark and moody space, clearly. Um, but I do find that uh, since moving into this house and, you know, living in our living and dining room, I have been drawn to a lot more wood because I like the way it feels. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. Next week's episode will not be the bathroom makeover because the guys came to install the glass two weeks ago and they cut it wrong. I believe the quote was... Perfect use of sad trombone. Perfect use of sad, yes. I was a sad tromboner when they told me it was wrong. <laughs> they were like, so this is a 135 degree angle and they cut it 90. I was like, <laughs> hit it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so... That episode was supposed to go up this, you know, Sunday. Unfortunately, it is delayed. We cannot post that video without the payoff of having the custom no, glass exactly. installed. So, what was that? Your parents upstairs are Jesus. getting rowdy. Uh, so, we're going to toss in a couple of DVD extras in between while we wait for this glass to be done. A couple of videos I'm super excited about, and hopefully they add value to you guys. But um, apologies for that delay. It's out of my hands. Exactly. <laughs> The one thing that you hire out gets fucked up. Seriously, though. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, everything in that got messed up. Yes. But yeah. we were able Spoiler. to fix, well, <laughs> fix our mess ups. Wah, 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 wah. Wah, wah. Um, all right. That is it for us, guys. Thank you so much for watching. And you can catch the entirety of the Home Reno series on our main channel, Becky and Chris, linked in the show notes. And uh, keep an eye out for episode four, which will probably come in the next three, four, five, or six weeks. We don't know yet. We don't know. To be continued. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. Or listening. Or listening. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>